0: Thanks to the uh, worship team for uh, leading us so ably in worship. We just really appreciate their ministry. As we uh, just uh, shared the uh, prayer requests a little earlier in the service, we see how like this series of walking with God through pain and suffering is so relevant. And uh, I really do believe that God, God's word, addresses where we live and. Uh, You know, we face, uh, you know, a lot of good things in our life. Uh, We we have mountain experiences, but we also, you know, experience illness, uh, sudden loss of loved ones, uh, loss of job, but I really, uh, one of the things I've been trying to encourage us through this series, walking with God through pain and suffering, is that the Lord is with us, and He doesn't promise that we're not going to experience difficulty, but what He does... promises that he's going to be with us in those difficulties and in the, our sufferings. In the 1992 in the Summer Olympic Games which were held in Barcelona, Spain, uh, one of the runners in the 400 meter race was a, an English athlete by the name of Derek Redmond. Uh, Derek had spent many years in uh, training for the Olympics and he made the team and he made made the Olympics and uh, it was his dream. But unfortunately, in the uh, qualifying heats, as he was qualifying for the final, he suddenly uh, crumpled to the ground in great pain. And what had happened was that he pulled a a hamstring muscle, and yet he was determined to go on. He he struggled to his feet, and he hobbled towards the finish line. Uh, His dad was in the stands, and as uh, Derek approached the, the finish line, uh, Jim Redmond jumped over the retaining wall and before uh, the officials could stop him, he, he went to where his son was and his son leaned on his dad's shoulder and together they went towards the finish line. Now, the entire crowd stood and cheered the two men on and when they crossed the finish line, it was as if the runner, the father and the whole crowd had done it together. Uh, The writer of Hebrews uh, encouraged us here in our passage to run the race of faith and to persevere right to the end. And it's a race that's not easy sometimes. And as, as we've just shared with these prayer requests as we experience life, it's not easy to run the race of faith sometimes. We fall down to the ground. But one of the ways that the Hebrews writers tries to encourage us here is that we are not alone. Uh, in Hebrews 11, uh, he's sh- he shared the testimonies of people like Abraham. Uh, God had given Abraham a promise that he and his wife were going to give birth to a child. And that through this child, there would be descendants as uh, numerous as the stars or the grains of sand uh, on, the, on the seashore. But time went on. The years went by. And Sarah was past childbearing age. Yet, Abraham and Sarah persevered. And Isaac was born. And through Isaac, Jacob, and through Jacob, the twelve sons of Israel, and through the twelve sons of Israel, a nation was birthed just like God had promised to Abraham. We see in Hebrews 11 also among the cloud of witnesses, we see people... Uh, Like uh, uh, Abel, we see people like David, people uh, like Samuel. And it's like everybody is cheering the Hebrew Christians. Uh, The people that the Hebrews author is writing to is also going through trials and affliction. And they're being tempted to give up the faith, to go back to their old traditions and their old religion. The Hebrews writer, in verse 1 of Hebrews 12, writes, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. See, we're not alone. A lot of people have gone before us. Even beyond the people we've mentioned here in Scripture, people like John Wesley, Mother Teresa, Corrie Ten Boom, a godly grandmom, a faithful dad. And we're encouraged to know that they are urging us on, I believe, in a very real way. And not only that, but Jesus is with us, As uh, Jesus Himself is with us. Like in verse 2 and 3, it says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Uh, Corey Ten Boom came through the hellish life of the Nazi uh, concentration camp camps. And while she was in those camps, she saw some of the most inhumane acts that man has committed against man. And as she came out of the camps, she told her story of unfaltering faith and undying hope in God. Uh, she saw evil up close and personal. Uh, yet she said these words uh, after the war. She says, if you, look, if you primarily look at the world, you will be distressed. If you look primarily within yourself, you'll get depressed. But if you look at Christ, you will find rest. I believe that as we focus on Christ and learn to walk with him, to worship him, that what will happen is that he will strengthen us and he will equip us to be able to wrestle with the principalities and powers of darkness in this world. Uh, Even in World War II, like uh, I was at Chapters a couple of weeks ago, and one of the books I saw there was the influence of the occult on Hitler. And if you know what happened during World War II, if you know any of the background of Hitler, you know that that was just not human evil and sin at work. There was a demonic element there that allowed what to happen. And, And what the Scriptures say is that Our primary struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and powers of darkness. Even when we looked at the life of Job uh, in the last month, we saw that much of his suffering was brought on by the demonic. And and Job didn't realize it at the time. Now, one of the things we've been seeing in this this, uh, series of messages is that we live in a broken broken world and uh, there is supernatural evil at work there's human sinfulness at work but despite all of this reality and despite the fact that we do face pain and suffering and evil in this world we don't have to be victims to it Uh, Jesus says in John 16 at at the end the very last verse he says that uh, in this world you will have trouble But take heart, I have overcome the world. In me, you can have peace. But that can only happen as we focus on him and focus on God's word and as it teaches us about God's ways. One of the things I want to share in this message is that one of the reasons why I believe that that. God allows pain and suffering in our lives, and He doesn't deal with it uh, right now, and and Jesus doesn't come back right now, is that He has certain things He wants to grow in your life and in in my life. And one of the things that in Hebrews 12 it teaches us is that suffering is like a gymnasium. Uh, In in Hebrews 12, in verse 11, we read these words, "...no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it." That word trained in the Greek is gymnazo, which we get our word gymnasium. And in Jesus' time and in the time that the book of Hebrews was written, Uh, there were gymnasiums. Like Greek culture had spread even in the Middle East. And Greeks were really into culture. And part of that culture was training for athletics. And training the body and making it as, as good as it could be. And in the gymnasium, like this word in the Greek means strip naked to train. And what would happen is in these gyms... The, the the athletes would, would strip themselves of outer clothing. Like even today, when you go work at Life Fitness, what do you do? You take your winter clothing off. Uh, you, you take your jacket off. And you, you exercise in your your, your t-shirt and your shorts or your sweatpants. And when you do that, there's no line. As you look at yourself in the mirror, you know what Parts of your body need to be worked on. And it's the same way. I think what, what the Hebrews writer is trying to teach us here is that when we go through pain and suffering, when we're in life as, as a gymnasium, and God is our instructor and coach, in those trials, what happens is our weak areas are exposed. And those areas that might be strong that need to be strengthened are seen for what it is. And what I believe is that God has purposes for you and I that He wants to work through to accomplish something. And in order for that to happen, sometimes what God needs to do is take certain things away from our, our character. He has to perform spiritual surgery. Or there are certain things He wants to add, positive character traits, certain virtues, so that we could be used by God in a greater way, or in some specific way where we haven't been used by Him. And so, one of the things, I think, purposes of pains and trials in our life is to prepare us that way. Uh, some scientists have said that there are certain seeds of desert bushes uh, that need um, bad weather in order to, to, to germinate. Uh, like in a desert, some of these uh, desert bushes seeds are, have a hard covering. And in a, the dry environment uh, of the desert, they lay on the sand for a long time, for different seasons even. But when the, the, the heavy rains come and flash floods occur, what happens to these seeds is they start uh, tumbling down uh, the slope of gravel, of sand, and of rocks. And the seeds get nicked and scratched. And they end up laying on depressions of sand that are damp underneath. And because they've been nicked and scratched, they're able to take water in. Before, when they were hard shells and they were standing sitting on the sand, the water couldn't get in. It couldn't germinate the seed that's in there. And I think what happens in our lives is that sometimes God has to nick us. Sometimes he has to scratch us by letting us go and experience bad weather, so to speak. And we experience trials and tribulations in our life. And what what happens then is that our lives and our hearts get shaken out of a complacency. and, And God's word can start seeping in. And, and we, we, we realize how much we need the Lord. I know that there are evil and, and sufferings that occur in our, our world that don't have that purpose. Some of the evil that occurs is so egregious that it's hard to see the good purpose of it. But I, I believe that there's a lot of pains and sufferings and tribulations that we go through that as we learn to trust the Lord that the Lord can do new works of grace in, in, in us. One of the things we need to, to, to be encouraged by is that, that life is like a gym. And God is our instructor and our, and our coach. And one of the things I believe that the Hebrews writer wants to, 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 to communicate to us in Hebrews 12 is that when God allows these things to happen in our lives, He does it from a Father's heart. And I believe that he gives three different proofs here from Hebrews 12 that these trials and tribulations that he allows into our lives come through a loving heart. First of all, he encourages us by the Scripture, what Scripture says. Like in verse 5 and 6, it says, And you have forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves. And he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. And then verse 7 and 8. Endure hardship as a discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're illegitimate children and not true sons. One of the things I think that the Hebrews writer is trying to tell us here is, take an example from scripture. God disciplines us. God disciplines us because he loves us. And it's interesting that the word for sons here in verses 5 to 8 is the word for adult sons. You know, God gives you and I enough credit to think that you and I are mature enough that he can allow certain things in our life that we're not going to whine and complain about. But instead, we are going to be like adults and we're going to respond, not like little children who complain a lot about anything. Maybe that doesn't go right. But as adult children, you're going to take responsibility and we're going to work with God and we're going to grow in the ways that he wants us to grow. And scriptures teaches us that. That God works that way. He has a purpose for you and I. And he, he has enough trust in you and I, just like in Job's life, that he can allow certain trials and tribulations that he's going to grow certain things in your life. Life is like a gymnasium. It's a metaphor, just like we've seen weeks ago, suffering um, uh, suffering as a fiery furnace. Like, you know, like when we go through the sufferings and as Scripture talks about that metaphor of a fiery ser- uh, furnace, certain things in our lives get purified. Uh, our motives become more God-centered and other-centered. We, we get cleansed of self-centeredness. And what does it say in 1 Peter 1, verse 7? That as we experience these trials for a time, our faith can be proved genuine and praise can result in it, uh, up to God. Like, it's one thing to say, I, I trust in God, I love God, when things are going good. But, you know, it's when, when life becomes difficult and ministry becomes difficult that what truly deep down in our hearts comes to the fore. fore just like a forge, when it purifies gold, as, as the gold gets heated up, the impurities come to the surface. And then the impurities on the gold are cleansed. And it's the same way with us. And the way God deals with us. And the suffering is like a gymnasium. Just like when you're in the gym. what the, the areas of our life that we need to work on becomes apparent. So we're encouraged by Scripture to show that the trials and tribulations come from the loving heart of our Heavenly Father. Also... Uh, Just by personal experience, we know that a lot of times discipline is because of love. Like in verses 8 uh, to 10, 8 to 11, if you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, it produces a harvest of righteousness. And what Paul is saying, or what the Hebrews writer is saying there, is that, you know, it's a child's father or mother that goes to the trouble to discipline their child. Say if, if I, my neighbor child, if I, believe, if I want to spank that neighbor child because of something they've done, I don't have the right or authority to do that. Or if that neighbor wants to spank my children and think they deserve that spanking, he can't spank them. But because I love my children and I'm the children's dad and I have that relationship, I'm going to invest myself and, and go to the trouble to discipline them. It's easier not to discipline a child in some ways. But if I really love my kids, I'm going to do it. And, and God, through chapter 12, is trying to encourage us and say, you know, you're, you're God's children. God cares enough about you that he wants to mold you into something that more resembles God. And that takes discipline, doesn't it? You know, like we're told, no pain, no gain. If that's true in the physical realm, how much is it true in the spiritual realm? So, God, God, God we're encouraged not only by the scriptures, but by personal example, but also by the results of discipline in our lives. In verse 11 to 13, it says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. Therefore, and then he's like a coach here. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. We know that through the discipline process, eventually what's produced in our lives is good results. Like uh, right now, uh, Andy and I are are coaching a baseball team uh, for the upcoming year. And we're in the gym already from January. And as we're in the gym, we're working on certain drills and how to do it properly. We're instructing we're offering positive instruction. And we know that as we do that, the results are going to be seen in June. If we're not in the gym now, we're not going to reach the level of, of play that we will otherwise. Uh, like my son Joshua is playing midget. And four or five years ago, he started playing on a team that practiced year round. And it was no accident that as he got in that kind of commitment and involvement, that his level of the play increased exponentially. And it's the same way that when we submit ourselves to the discipline process of God, as we allow God to correct us, as we're willing to go uh, with God into the gymnasium of life and let Him have His way in our lives, the results are going to be seen in our lives. And we can be encouraged that the Lord is with us. You know, life is not easy sometimes. But as we trust the Lord, God will produce good fruit. He will. And God is with us no matter what. Now, many of us have not experienced the sufferings like some of the people did when they went through uh, the concentration camps in World War II. Uh, I wanted to share a story. like Eli Weisel is a Jewish survivor of the, of the Holocaust. And he's written a great book called Night. And in the, that book called Night, he shares this story where a boy is hung on the gallows. Uh, by the Nazis. And in, because the boy was so light, when they uh, uh, dropped the boy, he didn't, his neck didn't break. And so what happened was that he slowly asphyxiated on the gallows. As that was happening, someone in the crowd said, where is God? Where is God? And then someone else yelled out in the crowd, He is up there in the gallows. And he was with that boy. And as we go through the gymnasium of life, you know, we may not like it. We may not like what's happening to us. And it's not good a lot of times what it, it seems like, just from the natural. But God is with us. Like that's been the truth that I've shared over and over again. You know, in Jesus Christ it's we believe that God became incarnate in a body. God was crucified, and God was resurrected. He is with us. He is with us in the gymnasium of life. He loves you enough to be able to want to discipline you so that you can become a better person. I know I've been married almost twenty years. And you know what what happens when you live in such close quarters at You've got to grow. You've got to change. We've got to grow and change in certain ways. If we don't, if we want to stay the same, God's purposes aren't going to be fulfilled. And we're, not, we're just, we're just going to experience a fraction of, of what God wants to experience in us. We're closing this series today. And one of the things I want to share is we can trust God as our coach and instructor. When He allows difficult things happening in our lives... And even things like somebody getting cancer, as we trust God, we can trust Him to bring good out of it. Like even with, you know, Kevin, uh, Joe Siddall, like it's ironic that Betsy shared about Jonathan today because Kevin Siddall is a 14-year-old boy that just passed away about a month ago with that. And... The, 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 the cure rate is up to 95% for, for, for non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. I knew that even before she shared that because of Kevin Siddle. Joe Siddle uh, yeah, is a baseball coach uh, in the area. He's probably one of the best coaches in Windsor. And he, him and his wife, his wife's a medical doctor. I've talked, uh, shared their story before, before. But their son died. But you know what happened? is at, When that news was shared, uh, Jerry Hallworth, the radio announcer for the Toronto Blue Jays, saw that story in the Toronto paper. And Jerry Hallworth is a born-again Christian. He's been the radio announcer for the Blue Jays for a long time. He's a great guy. When he saw that, he passed... Condolences to Joe Siddall because he knew Joe Siddall was involved with the Detroit Tigers. He's their batting practice pitcher. Joe Siddall got back to Jerry and thanked him for the, note, for the email of condolence. And he joked with Jerry. He said, that maybe if you got a job, just let me know. And guess what? Jack Morris, an ex Blue Jay pitcher, Tiger pitcher, Minnesota twin pitcher, just resigned from being a commentator with Jerry Hallworth on the Toronto Blue Jays uh, ra- uh, radio broadcast. And so Jerry said, You know what? We are looking for somebody. And the short of it is, Joe went to audition, and Joe is going to be a commentator with Jerry Hallworth on the Toronto Blue Jay broadcast. I really believe God is working good out of it. It doesn't bring Kevin Siddall back, but as we trust God and walk with God and allow God to work with us in the gymnasium of life, we can trust Him to bring out good. The Word says it. Our experience uh, of our, our earthly father's discipline and the results of discipline in our life show... That the trials and tribulations that God allows in our lives come through a loving heart. We can trust God. We can trust God. Life is short here. You know, we don't know what's going to happen in life. We don't have a guarantee of tomorrow, but we can know. Even as I shared Psalm 23 with Ron Larrett when he was on his deathbed, even though I passed through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. God is with us in the midst of our pain and suffering. He's with us in the midst of the rejections we experience in this life. He's with us in the disappointments, and we can trust Him as our Heavenly Father. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.